Welcome back to a brand new episode of Real Talk About Feminism podcast. We are so excited that you guys are here another week with us. We hope you enjoyed last week's episode, our little guys ask girls lifestyle episode. We had a blast recording it. Haley had some important self realizations. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talked to my therapist about it and everything. So uh, <laughs> I think overall, a word to describe the episode was insightful. <laughs> Very insightful. Yeah. If you guys haven't listened, then go listen. But if you have, then definitely share it with one of your male friends because I actually feel like we gave some like good advice. I think we did. So yeah, go share it with a friend if you haven't. Yes. We hope you guys are having a great week. Again, thank you so much for joining us with a new episode. We really appreciate it. Thank you for all those listeners who listen every single week and have been with us since pretty much the beginning. Yeah, because we actually do recognize. We really do. Like our day ones, all of the people, like if you send us a message about an episode, then we really appreciate it. And we just love connecting. Like when we see people responding on Instagram to our polls and our little question boxes, like it really does mean a lot. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. Well, should we just get into it? I don't really have any updates really. We're still oh, moving yeah. in a week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess let's get into our obsessions of okay. the week. You go. My obsession of the week is Purple Hearts on Netflix. Which I still haven't seen. Oh my gosh. Okay, let me just say, I would like it to go on record that I watched Purple Hearts the day it came out. Before it was all hype on TikTok, before it was trendy. Like, I watched it before it came, before it was trending. And I loved it. I just haven't been watching movies or TV, really. But it's on my list, I promise. I guess that's kind of part of my obsession. Like, I'm obsessed with movies. I love – some people might think I'm crazy for this. But I love starting a movie and finishing it spread out throughout different days. I love it. Okay. I I just – I love it for some reason because I feel like it gives me something to look forward to. Like, let me get through my work day because I know I get to finish Purple Hearts tonight. No, I totally get that, actually. When you say it that way, it makes sense. Yeah. So that's my obsession. Okay. Okay. Um, My obsession is therapy. Okay. Love (laughs) that. Because I've like actually learned quite a bit in like recent sessions about myself and the importance of like letting yourself feel your emotions. And so I feel like I've just been like really emotional lately, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. And so it's just something that I'm learning about myself. That is okay. And I know like obviously growing up with you, you were – we're never like the most emotional person, mm-hmm. like crying, that sort of thing. Cause like I just, I'm, I mean, like to my core, like I usually just like bottle everything in. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's great. I love that for yeah. you. That's a Thank good obsession, you. honestly. Yeah. Like, no, it really is. Like last therapy session, I was like, it was like Monday and I was like, I have therapy tonight. And then I was like, dang it, I have to wait another day. So Aww. I'm like looking forward to it each week, yeah. which I think is a good thing. That is a good thing, especially when you like have a good relationship with your therapist and everything like that. So I think it's great. Yeah. Awesome. All right, let's get into the episode. Today we are talking about sex ed for children. Yes. I'm going to read the feminist highlight first. Yes. <laughs> I knew that in my head that you were going to do that first. I just yeah. <laughs> yep. You're going to hear a lot from me today. So I hope you like the sound of my voice. <laughs> if you don't, then get used to it. It's not going away. Okay. Today's feminist highlight is Sandra Douglas Morgan. On July 7th, she became the NFL's first black woman president. She is now the president of the Las Vegas Raiders, Ooh. and she's also an attorney. And a fun fact, she was the first black city attorney in the state of Nevada when she worked with the city of North Las Vegas. 
So all of a sudden I'm a Raiders fan, like diehard. <laughs> literally, literally. When are we going to a game? Let's <laughs> like, fly. Yeah, Let's go. Where's our jerseys? Where's our merch? <laughs> uh, we're doing it. <laughs> Where are the Raiders? Oakland, right? Oakland Raiders? That doesn't sound right. It does sound right to me. Really? But now I'm questioning. I have no idea. Okay. Look it up. Honestly, that's really cool. Like, good for her. Especially in football, that's like a very obviously male dominated sport. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, yeah. I think they changed. Vegas. Wait. Okay. Anyway. I think, oh, yeah. Like, black it used and to white. be Oakland Raiders. I know that for a fact. I don't think that's correct. No, I know that for a fact. Okay, somebody fact check us. Did it used to be Oakland Raiders? Yes, the Oakland Raiders were a professional American football team that played in Oakland from its founding in 1960 to 1981, and again from 1995 to 2019 before relocating to the Las Vegas metro area. Good job, honestly. Oh, between 1982 and 1994, they played in Los Angeles as the LA Raiders. Yeah, I thought it was LA. But now it's LA Rams. I don't really know. Okay. I don't okay. know. I don't get it. But I'm really proud of you for that one. That was good. Thanks. Um, yeah, not to take away from our feminist highlight, but I think that's amazing, especially in a male dominated sport. Um, and being a woman of color, like good for her. Yep. Good for Sandra. Okay. That sounded really sarcastic. But it wasn't. Okay. No. All right. So our topic for today, this is something I'm actually really interested in talking about with you because we've had like, I don't know, like if we've like seen a video or something, we're like, hey, what do you think about this? But Mm -hmm. like, we've never really talked in depth about it. Yeah. So the way I got this idea was I saw a TikTok and um, I'll put her username in the show notes because I was going through her page and she has quite a bit of like interesting videos that are pretty thought provoking. Mm -hmm. Um, So her username is Allie underscore 202 underscore. And she was talking about in this TikTok how she was assaulted when she was about eight. And then she was also assaulted multiple times after that, like through her young adult life. Mm -hmm. And the reason she is passionate about sex ed for kids is because she never had that when she was growing up. Mm -hmm. And so she was describing that this happened to her, this very traumatic thing happened to her. And she didn't have the vocabulary to be able to ask for help and explain what happened. Yeah. Right. Which I feel like is actually a very common thing that we hear about. Yeah. So that's the premise of why I wanted to talk about this for this episode because I saw it and I was like, that is really interesting. Yeah. So as I mentioned, like it happened again and again and she was young and she didn't really know how to ask for help. She didn't really know how to verbalize like this happened to me and I'm not okay and I need help. Yeah, I think, like, for us, we got the talk when we were, like, we were young. Okay, so I think, like, looking back, I think I was, like, seven when I had, like, the puberty talk with mom. Yeah. And then we had the sex talk when I was eight. I had the sex talk and the puberty talk, like, all in one. Oh, uh uh-uh. I had the puberty talk earlier because, okay... I, like, started hitting puberty really early. Mm. So, like, I'm glad mom sat me down and talked with me about it because I would have been confused. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I had that earlier than the sex talk. No, I'm pretty sure I was eight when I had it all combined. Um, And I actually think that was really healthy because the way that mom and dad approached it, like, I remember there was a book, like, a cartoon book, Mm -hmm. like, just, like, simplify things. Yeah. (laughs) Like, and that was good. Um. 
But also, like, you know, some people might say that's too young, but I don't think so. Because I, I, I think either. it was healthy. Like, we – they stressed the importance of – and I think at the time, like, putting it together now, like, I do think they stressed the importance of consent. Like, they talked about, like, how it's something between, like, um, two people who love each other and, like – you know, it's something that they should both enjoy without mm-hmm. like getting too graphic. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. There's a fine line. And like we we'll get into that later yeah. for sure. Um, but I like how you touched on consent because the main thing this girl was I I'm sorry, I don't know her name. I didn't That's take fine. note of it. Um, the main thing that she was talking about in the video was when people think sex ed for kids, they think like, why are we talking about sex with like young kids? Yeah. That's not really what it is. The whole point is about consent. Yeah. So, like, obviously, you have to explain very basics, Mm -hmm. the basics for them to be able to understand, like, if this were to happen to you, this is what it is. Yeah. But the main thing is consent. And so she was drilling that down in the video. Like, it's not so. okay. an analogy she gave is like when people think sex ed for kids, it's like, let's teach math to kids specifically. Like, let's just teach calculus to kindergartners. And it's like, that's not the way it is. Like, let's teach addition to kindergartners. That's the whole point of it. Yeah, it's like teaching, you have to build on the concept. So let them know the basics, like what they need to know so that they know if something does happen to them, that's not safe, that's not okay, and that's not right. Right. But you're not just full on like going from zero to 100 all of a sudden teaching calculus. Like, I love that. Yeah, I thought it was a really good analogy. And it's not just sex. It's natural development it's puberty Mm -hmm. it's certain things about our bodies you know Mm -hmm. consent again like it's not just about sex but like when kids have more knowledge about their bodies the world sex in general like it's gonna make them feel like they can stand up for themselves if they needed to or they could go to a trusted adult like hey I'm noticing this about my body is this normal can I ask you about it you know So I think that's a really important thing to differentiate between, like, people's extreme opinions about, like, we cannot have sex education in schools, especially for young kids, because of this, this, and this. Yeah. But in reality, it's extremely helpful for kids to be able to be taught these important things that they're only going to get more confused about if they Mm -hmm. don't learn about, right? Like, they're going to hear stuff in school. They're going to hear stuff on Um, social media. Like. Yeah. So like you mentioned, you didn't feel like we got the talk too young. I don't either. And I feel like when we have kids, like the internet's already crazy Mm -hmm. and it's just going to get crazier. Yeah. And so like, I personally would rather have my kids hear it from me than somebody rando at school. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and you might get into this a little bit more, but I think, um, the most important thing that the girl on the TikTok was trying to teach is like just letting people, like you said, like letting kids know the vocabulary to understand like what is okay and what's not okay mm-hmm. if something happens to them. And I think going along with the overall conversation mm-hmm. of consent, it's important. Like you can teach consent without Bring having sex a sex into talk. It at like all. you can yeah. say, like, like you can say, like, if you don't feel comfortable with someone hugging you, let them know, I don't want to be hugged right now. You know? Exactly. Or, like, um, I don't want to do this right now. Like, just, like, I think hugging is, like, a really important one because a lot of times it's like, oh, they're your family. Like, give them a give hug. Them a That's hug, your yeah. aunt. That's your uncle. But 
you might not be like if something happened to you or in general, you might just not feel comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. So I think teach consent without using sex. If like starting from a very young age, like from when they can are literally developing. Right. Teach consent and then lead that into, (coughs) you know, how you can make the choice whether or not you want to hug your aunt or uncle if they come and visit. That is important in these other ways too. Right. I like how you brought that up because it's like laying a foundation. Yeah. So you're not going from zero to a hundred. And there's this other account on TikTok. She's a mom and she makes really great videos about this because she shows there are so many ways you can teach consent Mm -hmm. through like games that are age appropriate or like even like household chores, you know, like basic things that you can use to teach consent to kids. That's not like involving sex at all. And I also... Um, in the TikTok, that girl mentioned like the basic vocabulary. Mm-hmm. So I think that is really important because we should be teaching kids the proper anatomical terms for things. Yeah. Don't you think like she said that not knowing that is kind of what made it difficult for her to verbalize like this happened to me yeah. in this area, you know? Yeah. And so when kids understand like that's a vagina, that's a penis, you know, like it's easier for them to be able to connect the dots with like the lessons they're learning in about consent yeah, and then like their natural growth and development and then sex in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with you. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the terms that we use. This <laughs> yeah, um, this is like, this is nothing about like, <laughs> yeah, this, mom is, and- <laughs> this is, um, this is no, uh, um, critique to our parents, because I think like, we already said this. I think they did a really good job yeah. teaching us this. Um, but when we were growing up, <laughs> we used he he <laughs> and she she, <laughs> which like is it's like worse funny. worse than the actual name. Yeah, like it's like way more awkward. But like um, like now thinking about it, right? But I I actually do agree with you because just teaching the proper anatomical terms, like. It's just a body part, and I think, right. like, like I think that also helps decrease shame if something did happen to a child, mm-hmm. and, like, there's already shame kind of associated with, like, not saying the proper anatomical term, mm-hmm. and so by just, like, flat out saying, like, this is a vagina, this is a penis, like, um, and teaching it that way, you're decreasing the shame and the stigma around using the actual terms. Yeah, that's a really good point, because... This is also, like, an interesting conversation about, like, the sexualization mm-hmm. of, like, body parts, you know, especially, like, in America. Because, mm-hmm. like, when you're a kid, like, you don't think about that really. Like, yeah. you are exposed to that as you're growing up. Yeah. And so, like, it's really not weird to yeah. use the actual terms. I was doing a little bit of research about this topic, and I came across across Planned Parenthood, who, of course, like, they have resources for they everything, resources and so, of course, I clicked on it. That's um, why they shouldn't get defunded. Seriously. <laughs> But they have a lot of helpful resources for educators, for parents, for kids themselves, for teens, like a lot of different articles and research to like back up their findings. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to share one of them because they referenced some studies that were done. The studies were focused more on just pregnancy prevention and STI prevention. Because like I feel like with sex ed, that's like always the main goal. Yeah. It's always just about pregnancy and STIs, which is needed hands down. Yeah. Um, But... The articles showed that sex education early on often leads to appreciation of sexual diversity, dating and intimate partner violence prevention, development of healthy relationships, prevention of child sex abuse, improved social and emotional learning, 
and increased media literacy in addition to decreasing rates of unintended pregnancies and STIs. So it just listed like a ton of other reasons why it's so important for Mm -hmm. kids to learn about these things because especially with the internet and our technological age, like kids are exposed to so much Mm -hmm. when they're young. Like some of the things that our younger siblings have been exposed to that I'm like, I never even was thinking about that when I was your age yeah. because we just didn't have access to it. Yeah. But everything's so like in your face nowadays. Mm -hmm. And so that just kind of brings me back to like, I, I think it's important that like sex education also starts in the home too, because for me, like, I want my future kids to, like, not have questions or confusion about anything. Yeah, and like you said, it really is, like, so in your face. Like, the other day, I'm literally scrolling on TikTok, and there was, like, um, it's, like, a TikTok dance. And then I scroll, and it's, like, these are the best ways to make a woman orgasm. And it's, like, it's, it's you just scroll past it. Like, it's right. so normal. It's so in your face. Right. <laughs> and so you're right. Like, they're going to be exposed to it either way. And the best way to prevent anything is by education and if you can come to your kid as like a trusted adult and just have an honest conversation and build that platform from when they're very young then it's really going to serve them right and by you we're like speaking as if we're parents yeah we're like when we (laughs) raised our parental advice (laughs) (laughs) i'm not meaning to come out that way at all but like i do like i'm taking example from like mom and dad because they did do a really great job of this like when you go to your kid and you're like, hey, like, let's have a discussion about this. This is really important. Mm -hmm. Your kid is going to be more likely to trust you with hard discussions. And if heaven forbid, like something were to happen to them, like hopefully they would be comfortable enough to to come to you and Mm -hmm. talk with you about it. So I think that's another aspect of it. Like starting it in the home is like you do establish that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of makes me think of, um, like my situation, I was very comfortable telling mom and dad, obviously I didn't tell them details about my assault, but I was comfortable like when I was trying to figure out if I should report it, mm-hmm. um, I was comfortable telling them because I know I knew that they like had built that platform of trust with me from a young age and I knew that they were going to do nothing but support me. Whereas like when I looked at my community being in like a Christian community going to a school where like honestly like sex is bad until you're married that I was like okay there's like stigma around it there's shame and people might judge me and think that like oh I put myself in that situation and so like I was thinking in the community that I'm in I'm gonna get judged so I'm scared to report but I went to my parents and they're the ones that encouraged me to report it because I knew they weren't gonna judge me and I really feel like it's because they built this platform or foundation from a young age and just having an open dialogue. And I knew, I mean, I was 18, so I was, I was an adult, but like, I knew like, yeah, this isn't okay. And they've always told us if something happens to you guys, it is not your fault. Like, right. I remember that they've told us that multiple times. Right. And so I knew if something ever happens to me, it's not my fault. And I'm going to go to them because they're going to support me. And that's what happened because I think they did that from a young age. Yeah. That's a really great example. Like they established that early on. Mm-hmm you still felt comfortable even as an adult. Yeah. When like a lot of people are like, no, I don't need my parents anymore. You know, yeah. it's like you still went to them and like they handled it really well and yeah. were supportive and great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do, I do really, really appreciate being taught that as a, a young girl. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's also something that I realize 
like you don't realize it when you're younger that like oh that was actually like a really great thing that mom and dad did for me you know but like um recent I I guess kind of recently but like when I was with my ex-husband like he we had conversations about this and like he was never taught anything about Mm -hmm. sex in his house like growing up Mm -hmm. and so like everything he learned like was like from friends or the internet and stuff which like I was like goodness like I do not want my kids to go through that so like I don't know I guess that's why I'm just like so passionate about kids having access to this kind of education yeah from trusted adults from trusted adults and um I'm not saying that this was your ex-husband's situation at all but like um there is like so such a high number of young children being exposed to pornography mm-hmm. because maybe they hear their friend say something it's, and they look it curious. up. Yeah, and they look it up and then they see this pornographic video and we know that pornography is not real. It's fake. It has it shows like a lot of domestic violence against women specifically and there's just so many issues there. So then when they're seeking out these sources, they're thinking, "Okay, so it's normal." to be this aggressive towards women and not just like in a sexual manner, but like that influences in you in general. So mm-hmm. there's just like, it, it spirals when you're not talking about it in the home in a healthy and safe way. Right. Cause that's the, it has to have the right approach. In this Planned Parenthood article, they had a list of a ton of different like initiatives and groups and stuff. And I clicked on a few of them. And one of them that stuck out to me was the future of sex education initiative. And this was launched in collaboration with a few other groups. And they, if you go to their website, like it shows a lot of the work that they've done. The thing that I liked the most about them as I was checking out their website was that instead of referring to it as like sex ed for kids, they usually refer to it as child sex abuse prevention programs. Oh, yeah. And I think that's just like, that really sums up well exactly what I think you and I are both thinking. Yeah. Because again, like it's mostly about consent and like that's a huge thing about like preventing mm-hmm. sex abuse as for kids. Yeah. And so I thought it was great. They had a lot of really great resources too. I'll link it in the show notes. Um, but their goal is to spread word that sex ed for kids is about body ownership and children's right to control their bodies just because mm-hmm. their kids does not mean they don't deserve that right exactly they also teach that um, child sex abuse prevention programs should also focus on communication self-protection and that it impacts so much more than pregnancy and sci prevention which we've already talked about yeah because it really does like you said like with the domestic violence thing like that does spiral mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons that was listed as to why it's also important yeah Uh, Their article also described parental involvement, role-playing, opportunities for practice, and sensitivity to development levels as being key characteristics to effective programs. So the thing that stuck out to me was the sensitivity to development levels. Mm -hmm. Because like we were saying, like, you can teach consent with age-appropriate games, for example, you know? Or you can literally, like, in, if you're watching a little cartoon, there's, like, examples all the time. It's like, oh... He didn't want his friend to touch him or to give him, you know, to hold his hand or whatever. So he asked him politely to not. Like, right. you know, like there's so many opportunities in like children's books and children's movies and stuff. Like they're really good at teaching principles like that. Mm-hmm. So just like really highlighting those. Yeah. There's a, probably, not that I'm a parent, there's probably like a ton of books out there mm-hmm. that will show that. Or like there's probably like YouTubers that will like, help teach you consent you know yeah like there's so if you literally google like how do I teach my 
two-year-old consent I'm yeah, sure there's videos. I'm sure there's it's it's something that I think is being talked about more and that's really great yeah and so there's more and more resources mm-hmm. so again overall sex ed for kids it's mostly about consent yeah and so this made me think too I was like was I like ever explicitly taught about consent in school no no I yeah don't think so. yeah I was thinking about that too because like I don't think so. we had like maturation I didn't ever do maturation you didn't do maturation no because I was homeschooled that year oh my gosh okay so yeah I was in fifth grade it was honestly like kind of traumatic because that's what I've heard they separated the boys and the girls I don't really remember like the maturation itself except they gave us a pad and we had to like (laughs) put um Hershey syrup on it and they would, like, demonstrate, like, this is probably the color that it's going to look when you're, like, spotting or when you're, like, ending your period and stuff. Like, it was honestly, weird. like, really weird. Um, but then I literally went home and I started my period that day for the first time. Oh, and you had and, your pad. And I had that little pad for maturation. Aww. And I was like, this is terrible. So that was kind of funny. But, like, Aww. we were never taught, like, if somebody's making you uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know, like, you can set boundaries. You know, like, we were never taught that at all. Yeah yeah no we weren't like I had sex ed in high school like in health yeah, class but like by then like you know everything yeah so it's like I mean I didn't have maturation but I think you're right like any sex ed it needs to include consent because it's just like it's sad that there are like people who don't learn this because they don't have parents who want to talk about it or they don't have like adults in their life that think about talking about it because you might just not think about it like it might just be like oh that's common sense like make sure that you want to do it too but when you're actually in a situation where something's being forced upon you and you literally shut down and you've never explicitly been told like if someone's making you uncomfortable you say no Mm -hmm. then it's like oh my gosh what do I do But if someone's told you that, you might really cling on to that and be like, okay, no, like I can say no. I'm going to say no. I'm going to stop this. Right. So I think it does need to be taught in schools because I I don't – if it was, like I remember a lot of other details about sex ed in high school, but I do not remember anything about that. So if they did talk about it, then they didn't talk about it enough. No. Like I think it's something that needs to be implemented into like each year starting in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And again – start with the basics but like Mm -hmm. work up from there yeah you know like by the time they're in high school like that's where you'd probably focus on like again more consent but like pregnancy prevention sti prevention like safe sex that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. but like you start with the basics yeah and you lay that foundation yeah i love that you focused on that like i just love that analogy like you're not going to teach a kindergarten calculus right because it's like Somebody mentions this topic and mm-hmm. people go crazy. Yeah. Like, why are we going to teach kids about sex? It's like, you're not. <laughs> you're not like, going to teach kids about sex. You're going to no. teach them about consent. You're going to teach them about, like, their bodies and, like, being comfortable in their own skin and mm-hmm. safety. Like, it's really important. So I'm glad you used that analogy. I think that's really easy to follow and understand. And I think it's a great way to teach why it's important. I do, too. And, again, credits to – um the user on TikTok, I'll put her her username in um the show notes because she explained it really well and like she did have personal experience with it and so it kind of like hit different for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
But yeah, let us know what you guys think because we love to hear like your guys' thoughts and opinions, especially on a topic that we do that's like this isn't really controversial, but like something that like could be deemed controversial. So like DM yeah. us. Let us know what you think. If you think that it's important, if if you experienced sex ed growing up in a way that like really stuck with you, if you mm-hmm. learned about consent. So Yeah. Yeah. Slide into our DMs. Yeah, slide in to our DMs and as always, go ahead and check out our Instagram. We are actually really active on TikTok now. So mm-hmm. it's our username everywhere is at Real Talk About Feminism Pod. So mm-hmm. check us out on TikTok, on Instagram, and don't forget to subscribe to the email newsletter so that you don't miss any updates. We send those out once a week and you can fill out the contact form in our bio and or not in her bio in the show notes um and just fill out your email there and you'll get one email per week yes thank you guys so much for listening and we'll talk to you next week bye